Does that present a picture of a communal conflict? Basically it does. If you look at IRA violence as it progresses during the War of Independence, there is a communal or a sectarian dimension to it. So the IRA's main activity in the early part of the War of Independence would have been raiding for arms. Uh, And I think that was the case in most parts of Ireland. But in the case of Monaghan, the houses that were generally raided for arms would have been those of Protestants. Now, it's important to note that that IRA intimidation and violence against Protestants was part of a broader campaign of violence and intimidation against all enemies of the IRA. So you do, for example, get Hibernians and Redmondites raided, or in some cases executed by the IRA. So it's not as if the driving force is exclusively sectarian. But when the IRA casts around to find out who its enemies are, in somewhere like Monaghan, the answer is pretty obvious. It's Protestants. And of course, again, this isn't exclusively sectarian because the fact is that the great majority of Protestants in Monaghan are communally organised themselves in loyalist forces, in the Ulster Volunteers, in the early part of the War of Independence. And then from 1920, across the border, local Protestants would often have been in the specials, the Ulster Specials. So they were effectively armed by the British government as uh, one of the factions within the War of Independence. So it's certainly the case that there is a, a level of communal and sectarian violence which forms a significant strand of IRA violence in Monaghan during the War of Independence. Your specific research in your book was about the IRA's campaign in Cork City. Briefly, just suggest the scale of that. What are we talking about when we talk about guerrilla warfare in the period? It was fairly violent here in Cork. It was very, very roughly about 30 members of the Crown Forces were killed by the IRA. About 30 members of the IRA were killed by the Crown Forces, maybe less than 20. And about 30 civilians were killed by the IRA, as suspected of formers, and probably around 30 civilians were killed by the Crown Forces, normally just random gunfire. They, they had a tendency of just shooting in crowds, um, and they killed a, lot, a hell of a lot of people that way. So in terms of the violence, there was gunfire pretty much every night, and there would have been a lot of executions with civilian informers. There also would have been a lot of small-scale attacks on individual policemen, taking shots at sentries, throwing bombs at lorries passing by. And they had a pretty sophisticated organization here in Cork, and they also really emphasized their role as an intelligence and communication conduit to the other brigades, to the West Cork Brigade and to the North Cork Brigade. Three brigades together were working very closely, and Cork City was kind of a fulcrum. Uh, I guess the most controversial thesis on the period is that the IRA targeted people as Protestants. They went out and killed people because they were Protestants. Was that the case in Monaghan? I think it's a bit, it's a bit more subtle than that. I think the IRA targeted enemies, and many Protestants are Unionists or Loyalists and therefore are the enemies of the IRA. But it's also the case that when you look at the motives for individual killings, they're often quite murky. So that some of the violence, or a significant amount of the violence that occurs during the War of Independence, when you look closely at it, it seems that there are economic and other motives um, to account for uh, agrarian motives, for example. Another kind of subtlety, I suppose, of looking at who was killed is that I think you can say that the IRA threatened many people during the War of Independence, but it's more unusual for the IRA to execute someone. And what my research in Monaghan would suggest, and this supports research that has been done elsewhere, particularly in Cork, is that the IRA was more likely to execute someone for a charge if they were a Protestant. Now, that charge may or may not be true. It's often very difficult to know. But it would be something along the lines of perhaps the charge of spying would be the most common one. And if one was a Protestant and accused of spying, I think your chances of of being shot by the IRA were a lot higher than if someone was from a a Catholic nationalist background. It's a hard one because it's it's very hard to to know how many people were, were actually killed because some folks disappeared. But for the most part, they left a bit of a paper trail. So from my research, I saw about six... Protestants killed out of 
I think one thing that a lot of people have been reluctant to face is the fact, possible fact, that there may have been organised loyalism in the south of Ireland, that people were loyal to the British Empire, Catholics and Protestants. They were loyal to the idea, uh, the imperial idea, uh, and they fought for their ideas during the War of Independence. In terms of an anti Sinn Féin society, they basically, in the city fellows say that there was a group of loyalists passing information, and that could definitely be true. I, I know that the, the pattern of killings reflects that, and there were some connections with some of the folks, and some there was some circumstantial evidence supporting that there was a group of loyalists actually passing information. There was also accusations that there were similar groups organized out in West Cork, out in the Bandon Valley, and up in North Cork as well. It seems definite that, that some of the unionists were passing information to the Crown Forces. In a couple cases, there were people riding along in, in lorries, you know, hoods, identifying people. And whether they were organized formally into like a, a band or a group called the Anti-Sin Fantasy Society, I don't know. I have a tendency to think that it would have been more informal. I think that this Anti-Sin Fantasy Society tag was just kind of a shorthand for loyalists who were passing information to the British and might have been organized by specific British Army intelligence officers. I think Monaghan would be would have been one of the places where this would have been most charged. I mean, it's on this kind of sectarian borderland. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, if you look right back to the pre-1916 period with the formation of the Ulster Volunteers and the Irish Volunteers, the highest levels of membership for both those organisations occurs around the kind of religious borderlands of Ulster. And that seems to imply then that someone, a Catholic or a Protestant, was much more likely to join a paramilitary organisation and arm themselves and much more likely to use violence in areas where the numbers of Catholics and Protestants were closely balanced and there was a, a higher chance that, that the outcome of any political conflict would be decided by the forces on the ground. And of course also there would have been a much greater necessity or felt necessity for communal defence in areas where, where Protestants and Catholics coexisted in significant numbers. Whereas if you look at areas where Protestants are in a large majority or Catholics are in a very large majority, you, you tend to have lower levels of membership in paramilitary groups and lower levels of, of violence. Protestants said in the South, in the main, that there was no targeting of them for sectarian reasons. And if anybody should know, they should. I think it's very difficult to try and undermine that testimony, particularly since after the the killing of a number of Protestants in Dunmanway, irregular shootings, which were condemned by both sides of the pre-Civil War split, post-Treaty split, condemned um, heavily, and by the Catholic hierarchy, I think the evidence suggests that they were shot because they were believed to be have it on behalf of the British during the War of Independence. Mm. There was a Protestant convention on May the 11th, which is about two weeks after the shootings. A motion was passed whereby it was stated that, apart from that incident, there is no evidence of targeting of people uh, on, on the basis of their religion. Even if you accept the limited argument that those people in Dunmanway were shot because of their religion, then, according to Protestant testimony, they were the only people who were shot on that basis. So I think it's a rather difficult obstacle that those who argue that, that the shootings during the war of independence were sectarian, it's a rather difficult ob- obstacle they have to get over, is the fact that Protestants have said that they weren't targeted for sectarian reasons. I think it's 
something that's also under-researched is the diversity within the, within the Protestant population in the south of Ireland. The debates that took place at synods, looked at some of those, there were people with different opinions. There were people with pro-British opinions, there were people without British opinions. There were people who, with British opinions who, who admitted that, that, unfortunately, there were some who called themselves members of the Church of Ireland who sided with Irish Republicans. So if you look at the actual evidence, it suggests that there were people on both sides who fought for a different ideal. What about the idea that the IRA volunteers had the, uh, this idea of reversing the plantations and, and getting a historic revenge on, on the Protestants? I think when you deal with land issues, I think that really makes everything a lot complicated. One continuity of, in Irish politics the last couple hundred years has been the issue of land ownership. And I think that the fact that a lot of unionists were large landowners really complicates the whole picture. I think there was a, a, an urgency of land distribution. I think that, that was definitely an element within parts of the Republican movement. But I also think there was a recognition that that could very quickly get out of hand. I really think that they were conscious of what would happen if they tried to reverse the plantation. I think they realized that that would create chaos and it would bring a lot of destruction they wouldn't be able to control it. And I think that they went out of their way to make sure that that didn't happen. Not to say there wasn't a sectarian attacks and there weren't sectarian robberies or there wasn't land confiscation that folks weren't vulnerable because of their religion because they were that was definitely true but I think that the volunteer movement recognized the potential for religious conflict and they realized that that would actually hinder their attempt to get out of the shadow of Great Britain Northern Ireland at the time of partition in 2021-22 probably the only part of Ireland where there was really straightforward sectarian warfare the Protestants killing Catholics and Catholics killing Protestants can you say in the north at least there's a sectarian civil war or something approaching civil war I can say it and it might seem giving with one hand and taking with the other but the Unionist regime launched a war on the Catholic population the Republican movement always had an inhibition against being seen to act in a sectarian way and defeating the Northern Ireland state, they would have had to take on the people who were defending it, namely people who defended it on the basis that they were Protestants. So Southern nationalism simply did not understand the nature of Unionist rule. Belfast, the conflict does seem to be much less obviously about a political conflict between supporters of British rule and the IRA, and much more about a communal violence. And my sense is that it's difficult in some ways to sort of compare the IRA in the South to what's going on in the North. And you, you do get a sense sometimes that Southern Republicans didn't understand what was going on in the North or that they didn't really like what was going on in the North. And sometimes there's an attitude that that kind of sectarianism isn't or shouldn't be a part of, of the Republican movement. If you look at what the IRA are doing in, in Belfast in 1920 to 1922, my sense is that they seem to be primarily acting as a, a communal defence force and that, in fact, they're not responsible for much of the violence against Protestants, but rather their role is to act as a restraining influence. And a lot of the violence of this period seems to be driven by mobs on the street, both sides, Catholic and Protestant. I think when you compare what was going on in the North with what was going on in the South, I mean, it's very different. The example I, I like to use is Tomas McCurtain was the Lord Mayor of Cork, and he was assassinated by members of the RIC. There was no kind of reaction against local unionists or what have you in Cork, and instead the IRA cracked on policemen they thought were guilty. And one of them was up in Lisburn. He was Church of Ireland District Inspector Swansea, and he was killed coming out of the church. And the unionist population up there burned out the entire Catholic population of Lisburn. You know, about a hundred shops and businesses sent about a thousand people out into the road to the fields, destroyed the entire Catholic. 
wars that take place throughout many parts of, of Europe and elsewhere after the, the Great War. So, I mean, if you look at the, the outcome of the War of Independence, probably the most obvious objective outcome of the war is that you have a conflict between two, two groups of people, whether you describe them as, as ethnically differentiated or communally differentiated, and the outcome of that conflict is that you have the partition of the country reflecting the majority areas of those two ethnic groups. So I think, while some people would balk at the term ethnic conflict, I think there is something to looking at the conflict in that way and comparing it to other conflicts that occur in a very similar context, such as, think of, for example, uh, India a few decades later, where you have a revolutionary movement coming out of imperialist states and subsequent violence then between different groups within those former colonial territories. Let's leave aside questions of democracy or who's a minority and who's a majority because when people fight in wars they fight for what they believe in and people did that and people had an honourable belief or a belief they thought was honourable in the British idea. People had an honourable belief in what they thought of as uh, the Irish democratic idea, the idea of Irish republicanism. Uh, They fought, they killed each other. 